If you have your word, open your Bible to Acts chapter 1. Let's open up to Acts chapter 1, verses 3 through 11. Acts chapter 1, verse 3 through 11. If you're there, would you all stand as we receive the word? Acts chapter 1, beginning in verse 3. Here's the word of God. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand and looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw go into heaven. Amen. Father, we thank you for the word that you have given to us as we expound this word is being explained by your Spirit. Help us to understand and take it into our hearts. And may our hearts be firmly rooted and planted in your Word. We desire to know your will. We desire to understand your truth. We desire to be your people following your command. So bless us with your truth. Teach us with your things. And may your servant deliver your message and your people be uh, attentive and obedient and humbly receive your word. Father, bless us all together. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So, uh, in our initial study uh, last Sunday in the book of Acts, we have learned that our Lord Jesus is uh, the historical figure. He was the historical person who truly lived here on earth, but not only a historical person, but he is the present day Jesus who still lives and works through his people by his spirit. Now, what that means for this historical person to live in us and continue to work in us by the power of spirit, spirit is first the Christianity is a faith that is rooted in history. Christianity is a faith that is rooted in history. We do not disregard the history. The history proves 
us who we are and where we came from. Christianity is not a thought. It's not a philosophy. It is not a teaching. Christianity is not a religion. But Christianity is about the person. It's about the person. Christianity is a faith in God's own revelation of himself in the person of Jesus Christ. We believe, we put our faith in Jesus and Jesus alone. And second thing that we must understand is Jesus is still at work. That's where Luke wanted to uh, set the stage for Theopolis to understand the acts, understand what is about to happen through Jesus and by the power of the Spirit in the church. So this, Jesus, yes, crucified, yet resurrected, and we'll see, ascended, still he is at work through the church by his Spirit. He certainly began the work, and he certainly did the heavy lifting, the crucial the significant work was done by him on the cross, making the way, paving the way for us to uh, receive this eternal salvation. But he is not done with this work. He is continuing his work. Jesus is still at work through his church by his spirit. And he promised that he will be with us until the end of the time. Now, in the passage we just read, verse 3 uh, to verse 11, this passage we had before our Lord ascended into heaven, he gave the disciples in here a task. The mission to the disciples, the follower of Jesus Christ, was given right here. And what is the mission? Not only here, but you can tell in Luke chapter 24, verse 47, uh, Luke also reiterate this very clearly. It says what the mission is to proclaim the good news of repentance for the forgiveness of sin to the world. The good news, you got to preach, proclaim the good news of repentance for the forgiveness of sin to the entire world. And this mission is not just for the 12. This mission is not just for the early church. This is not for some zealous, passionate people. This mission is for all the people who identify themselves to be the follower of Jesus Christ. This mission is for all. All those people in Christ. You got to preach. You got to share the gospel of repentance to receive the forgiveness of sin to every corner of this world. But when you think about it, we have tried this, and it's not easy to live out this calling, to accomplish this mission. It's not an easy task. It's actually daunting and tall task for us to uh, even attempt. But in this passage, yes, it is not easy. Yes, it may feel daunting at times, but Jesus gives us the tools that we, we need in order to carry out the work that he began. Our text within here, we see four essential tools that we are given in order to carry this mission out. To continue Jesus' work, the church, the body of Jesus Christ must have these four things. One, the solid message we got to have. 
And then two, the sufficient power we must have in order to carry this out. And third, we got to have this sharp focus in order to stay in mission. And finally, the sure hope that motivates us to come back to the mission uh, day after day. And we're going to look at each item, each essential tool we require, we need in order for us to carry out the work that Jesus began. So if you haven't picked up a bulletin today and for the study of Acts, I would try to summarize in bullet points so that you can follow uh, some things that uh, we can actually uh, better understand and therefore better apply into our lives. The first thing that we need, the essential tool that we need in order for us to carry out Jesus' work is this, the solid message. You have to have solid, solid message. In verse 3, we find two important messages that the follower of Jesus Christ must know and share. The first message is the message of the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. The message of resurrection. The apostles really, uh, more than us, really needed to know this message. The message that Jesus was now alive. They were very discouraged and disappointed, and they were scared as well when Jesus was crucified and died. And they really needed Jesus' resurrection in order for them to be once again, be confident and bold for their faith to be strong as possible in order to do what? To preach the gospel, the good news of the risen Lord. The resurrection is the key. They can't go and share, yes, Christ has risen. As he said, on the third day, he came back to life. He uh, he defeated death. How would you say that? How can you be able to say that without seeing him and experience the risen Lord? This was critical. In verse 3, we find Luke emphasizing the factual evidence of Jesus' resurrection. He says Jesus presented himself alive after his death on the cross, and he not only appeared to them, but he offered them many convincing proofs. What are these proofs? John talked about it in his gospel. Jesus entering into a room when the doors and windows were locked. Luke talks about it. His disciple showing uh, his disciple his crucifixion wounds, especially to Thomas. Touch it. Put your hand in it. And he was there, sitting down with them, eating and drinking with them. These were convincing proof. However, the most convincing proof that we had of his resurrection, his reappearing, was done over a period of 40 days. He was with the disciples for 40 days. From the resurrection until the ascension, Jesus was with his disciples. Now, if this was done in just one day, he was there with the disciple just for 24 hours, one could argue that this was a some sort of a vision. One could argue that they were so desperate uh, to see their Lord and carry out what they have started, what Jesus have started, and they wanted to continue, so they create a myth or story. This is fake. Or they were mass hallucinating. 
But that is not the case because it's done for 40 days and he reappeared to the individual, individual together and the entire group together during 40 days. And by the way, this is the verse that tells us in the New Testament that how long he stayed on earth from the resurrection to the ascension. 40 days. Now, for us, this is the solid message that we need to have. But why is it? Why is the message of resurrection of Jesus Christ so important, so critical, that it has to be at the center, at the heart of our faith? Why do we have to believe and share and root it upon this message of the resurrection? Why is this important? It's important because if Jesus was not risen, if he was not raised by our God, our faith means absolutely nothing. It means nothing. The resurrection not only proves Jesus' deity as God, but more importantly, significantly, resurrection is our guarantee. Our guarantee that God, the Father, has accepted Jesus' perfect sacrifice of his own self as the satisfactory payment for our own sin. Resurrection is the guarantee. The resurrection of Jesus is our assurance. It is our foundation of who we are. It must be, therefore, the message we have to confidently and boldly share every opportunity we have without fail. When you share your testimony, when you testify who Jesus is, what he has done historically, and what he has done personally in your life, you cannot leave this out. This is the central message. The resurrection, the message of resurrection, we sing, because Jesus lives. What does this lyric go? I can face tomorrow. You have faith? Faith in what? What do you believe? What do you go and share about Jesus? His life? How perfect he was? How moral he was? How sinless he was? How he died on the cross? Yet he has resurrected. He's living again. That, my friends, is critical in our uh, gospel message. Because when we believe in the resurrection, it gives that assurance that all things we face, we can overcome. All things we do, what God commands us to do, we can indeed be able to carry that out. The message of the resurrection of our Lord Jesus. Solid message we have to share. Second message that we need to share and solidly found upon is the message of the kingdom of God. Kingdom of God. Now, in, in the Gospel of Luke, the word kingdom appeared 40 times. 40 times. And in the Acts, the word kingdom also appeared 8 times. And Luke is making conscious effort to declare the nature of the kingdom of God. Now, this idea of kingdom of God was especially important for our Lord during his earthly ministry. And you could 
see that in the Gospel of Luke. 40 times about the kingdom of God, Luke recorded. But when Jesus preached the gospel in his earthly ministry, when he began his public ministry for the, for the for very first time, when he preached the gospel, this is how Mark uh, uh, summarized the message that he preached. Mark chapter 1, verse, 11, verse 15 says this, The time is fulfilled. The time is fulfilled. And the kingdom of God is at hand. So repent and believe in the gospel. This is Mark's version, his summary of the gospel, that good news that Jesus preached to the people. The time is fulfilled. What does that mean? The time is here. It has come. It's finally arrived. The kingdom of God is at hand. It means it is near. It is now. I, the one who can usher you into the kingdom of God, I am here. I am the way. I am the gate. Through me, you go into. You'll be able to enter into the kingdom of God. So what do you do? Repent. Believe and enter into the kingdom of God. This is a message that Jesus himself preached. Now, what is the kingdom of God? I, I spoke on this numerous times, right? What is the kingdom of God? When you understand kingdom of God, you have to say, where is this kingdom of God? You have to wonder, who is the king of this kingdom? And you have to wonder, who are these people in the kingdom of God? As I spoke to you numerous times, the kingdom of God is everywhere. It's anywhere where God reigns, the king reigns. It is everywhere and anywhere God's people obeys and follows the king's command. It is anywhere and everywhere, therefore, it's right here. The kingdom of God is right here, right now, where God reigns over his people and his people obediently follow his lead. That's what the kingdom of God is. That's where exactly it is. Kingdom of God is not somewhere over the rainbow. It's not in heaven. Kingdom of God is not a millennial kingdom that will eventually be built according to the revelation. The kingdom of God that Jesus preached and the apostle preached and every time they share this solid message, it is here and now. That is the message. The kingdom of God is here and now. So as a kingdom citizen here and now, what do we have to do? You have to understand that we have tremendous responsibility. As kingdom citizens, you must properly represent your kingdom, your king, as a holy, as a special, as a distinctive nation, people in this world. That is our calling. That is our responsibility. Therefore, uh, therefore, Paul also said to Thessalonians, with this in mind, with kingdom in mind, this is what Paul said to Thessalonians, this is why you guys must walk in the manner that is worthy of God's calling, the Father's calling into His own kingdom, into His own glory. 
You are kingdom citizens through Jesus Christ. And you're living by the way that is Jesus. Then you are in the kingdom of God because God reigns over you and you are obedient to God. Wherever you go, that's where the kingdom is. And if that is how we need to live our lives, then we need to be mindful of our king and what he desires out of us. That means we must not only speak this message, the message of the kingdom of God, but more importantly, what do we have to do? You have to live this message out in your life daily. When? Right here. Where? Right now. As we carry out the work that Jesus began, what do we have to do? We have to share this solid message. The message of the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. What is the guarantee? Which is the guarantee of our own faith. How we can face tomorrow. And we share the message of the kingdom of God. That's who we are each and every day. And again, these messages are not only for us to declare with our lips. But we also declare these messages through what? Through our lives as we confidently, boldly live that out in our lives. First essential tool we have. Solid message we have. Second thing is this, for us to carry out Jesus' word, the church must have the sufficient power. Got to have that sufficient power in the Holy Spirit. Now, after seeing the risen Lord, and after understanding the messages that Jesus taught them, it would have been very easy for the disciples that, that they feel, they felt that they were ready to go. They were just fired up and ready to go to the world and do the very thing that Jesus commanded them to do. And just tell the world that our Lord was crucified on the cross. He is living again. And this is the proof. And they are ready to share this with with their own passion, their zeal, their eagerness, their strength and knowledge. But When you look at verses 4 and 5, this is what Jesus commanded them. Jesus said to the disciples, don't leave Jerusalem yet. Don't go yet. Don't leave yet. But wait. Wait for what? Wait for the promise of the Father. Don't go yet. You see me? You understand the message? Yes, I am alive. Yes, you will receive the eternal life through my resurrection. Have faith in it. You are a kingdom citizen. If God goes with you, the kingdom moves with you, and you are fired up, you are ready to go, but God says, don't go yet. Not yet. Wait for the promise of the Father. What is this promise from the Father? Now, this is easy for the disciples, even though how forgetful they may have been Jesus spoke about this numerous times in his time with them. The promise of the Father is the Holy Spirit. God's own Spirit would be given to the disciples. Precisely in verse 5. In verse 5, it says they will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. 
not with water, but they would be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, baptism of the Holy Spirit is arguably hottest topic in denominational theological debates. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not a baptism that you go through in order for you to demonstrate your faith. Your faith in Christ. So therefore you have to speak in tongues. Therefore you have to prophesy. You have to perform these spiritual things in order for you to tell the church and everyone that you are indeed a believer. That you are indeed heaven bound. That is not the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit means that you are flooded. You are uh, submerged, included, saturated in the Spirit. So you and I are completely one in the Holy Spirit. You can't tell, you can't distinguish as He lives in us. The baptism of the Holy Spirit tells us that you and I cannot distinguish where we begin, where Spirit begins, because we surrender ourselves to our Lord Jesus. The Spirit takes over. He leads us. He guides us. He is the one that when we are poked, the Spirit leaks. When we are squeezed, Spirit leaks. That is what the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We are united in Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit. And this is important. Even after all the preparation, I mean, three years of training with Jesus himself. Yet Jesus said, even after that, even after eyewitnesses of Jesus' resurrection, spending 40 days together with the risen Lord, Jesus said, no, not yet. Not enough. Not ready enough. All the knowledge, all the experience that they had, not yet without the proper power. Without the power of the Father Himself, of the Son Himself, the Holy Spirit, they were not ready. They will not be affected. They had to be empowered, led by the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus Christ, for them to continue to carry out the work, the very work Jesus began. So Jesus ordered them here, wait several days. And we know that to be 10 days until the day of Pentecost. And Jesus assured them again in verse 8 that they will surely receive the power when the Holy Spirit has come upon them. And we all know the disciples would remain faithful to Jesus' command and so they will stay in Jerusalem and they will wait for the Holy Spirit. And there was no skeptic, uh, skeptical uh, question. They were not uh, in doubt about this mystical power, power of the Father, because they already knew about this power. They already experienced the power of the Holy Spirit. Remember in the gospel when Jesus paired them up and sent them out to uh, to have that preaching tour. As they went to the town and spoke and preached boldly about the kingdom of God for them to repent and believe the time is now. They experienced the working of the Holy Spirit in themselves. 
Jesus said, it won't be you who speak to these people, but it is the spirit of your father who speaks in you. This is how uh, Jesus commissioned them to go and do the very work. It is not you, your own words, but it is the spirit who will speak in you. And they experienced that. They witnessed the working of the Holy Spirit in them. They cast the demons, demons out. They healed the sickness. They preached the good news, the very good news that Jesus preached, and people turned and repented. Now, that time is greatly different from this time that they are about to experience. What, what's the difference? That was permanent, uh, no, temporary indwelling. It was given temporarily. That was temporary empowerment for the disciples for that preaching tour. But this time is what? It's permanent. It's permanent indwelling, empowerment of the Holy Spirit, all made possible because of the cross, the work that Jesus has done on that cross. So wait. Don't go without this power. Don't go without the Spirit. The power and presence of the Holy Spirit is the most important and crucial instrument the church, the body has in order for us to carry out the work right here, right now. And this power, this presence of the Holy Spirit is evident when we speak how speak the gospel, the good news as we can, boldly as we can, confidently as we can. But the Spirit and the power, the presence of the Spirit in our lives not only is present and evident as we speak and share the gospel, but also as we live out our lives before their eyes. It's not just the verbal witness that we do. We live our lives and ourselves become the presentation of the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. So what that means, what that means is this. If you're not denying your fleshly desire, if you are not denying your worldly lust, ungodly lust that you have, if you're not growing in holiness, righteousness, to be blameless and spotless. If you're not displaying this power of the Holy Spirit, the evidence of the presence of the Holy Spirit through your life, even though you may speak in tongues, even though you may heal or prophesy, if the fruit, the evidence, the power, and your desire to be holy and righteous is not evident, then it would be impossible as a follower of Jesus Christ to participate in Jesus' word. Jesus said, wait and receive this power. This power will enable you to do things and speak boldly. He will give you words. He will make you fearless and bold in the eyes of the people and you will give out your neck, cut it. But I will not Renounce my Lord. I will live out my life for the kingdom's sake. I don't fear. I won't cower. I don't negotiate and compromise. My Lord lives. And you can say those things and stand firm on your ground because 
the Holy Spirit. And this is why we must rely on the Holy Spirit in order for us to not only share and continue the work that Jesus began in us, but also we need Spirit to live that holy, righteous life so that we can be effective disciples of Jesus Christ. The second essential, third essential tool that we have for us to carry out Jesus' work is the sharp focus. We need that sharp focus. Verse 6. So this rejuvenated, inspired disciples. Now in verse 6, we find them asking Jesus, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? I understand this kingdom. Yes, God, Jesus, you are king. God, you are a king, and we belong to you. We are your people. We will be obedient. However, what's going to happen to Israel? Will you somehow restore this kingdom to be the kingdom here on earth? Can we go back to our uh, glory heydays, like when the King David was that force that everyone around him feared? Disciples could not get over this idea of political, territorial, national kingdom of Israel. It's not that they didn't understand the kingdom of God, but they just could not just get over with this Israel just being occupied by Roman Empire and just uh, see it not to see its formal glory. And it's, it's aching. It's hurtful for them. So in verse 7 and 8, what does Jesus say? Jesus placed their focus on where it must be. The Lord himself said to his disciples, I think it's really nice way, kind way of saying this. It's not your business to know in verse 7 and 8. It's not your business to know. It's Father's business. Father's know, Father knows he has the authority. But here is what you need to know and do. This is where your focus should be. Not on the earthly kingdom of Israel, but your focus should be what? Your job is to be my witnesses. What you need to do is be my witness in every part of this world. What Jesus was saying is don't be concerned with this perishable things of this earth. The old idea of this earthly kingdom, Israel. But be focused on your job, on your mission. And that is to be my witness. That's your job. That's your focus should be. Now, what is our mission? Our mission is to be Jesus' witnesses. To testify about him. That means we tell Nothing but the truth. So help me God. We tell the truth about Jesus. That's who we are. We are his witness in the court of this world. As we live our lives as his witnesses, we put our hands on the Bible and we tell, we swear, we will tell nothing but the truth. So God in Holy Spirit, help me to tell the truth. And what are you going to say? 
I'm going to say about the message of the resurrection. I'm going to say about the message of the kingdom. I'm going to stand firm and say Jesus lives again. He is Christ. You tell truth. We are to go and make disciples of all nations. We are to baptize them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We are to teach them to observe, follow, be obedient to all that Jesus has commanded to his disciples, to their, to his followers. If you are a Christian, if you call yourself a Christian, you understood your depravity, your total, complete depravity, your sinfulness. And you recognized your need of Savior in order to rescue you, bring forgiveness of sin in your life so you repent, you recognize, you put your trust in the finished, perfect work on the cross, in His life as a sacrificial, perfect Lamb of God, in His death on the cross, the wrath of God fall upon His shoulder, and the resurrection which is the guarantee of our faith and where we will be heading. So you believe Jesus to be the Lord. So you believe Jesus is the Savior and the King, if that's who you are. You are His witnesses. You are His witness. This is not something that you add on, something that you flip and switch and, and say, I am today. If you are a Christian, you are saved, saved in Jesus Christ and you call Jesus as Lord, you are a witness at all times. You are His witness. This is not an option. This is not someday you feel like and you want to be a witness. That's not how this thing works. You are a witness. Yet, how mindful are we? How focused are we to carry out Jesus' work? Go make disciples. Teach them my way so that they will be obedient. How focused are we? And this is the focus that we need to have. This is why we preach the gospel. This is why this gospel that you know and you understand and Pastor Jason again talking about the gospel it's important for you to know who you are and what you need to be. Clearly tell your soul, yourself, that this is who I must be right now, right here. And in order for you to do that, you got to have that sharp focus of who you are in Jesus Christ, what He has done in you and for you. That sharp focus we need to continue to carry out Jesus' work the final item, the essential tool that we need is the sure hope. Unwavering, sure hope. Look at verses 9 through 11. Luke explains what happened to Jesus right in front of the disciples. Pretty much, this is the direct glimpse of ascension that, ascension of Jesus we have. He was, it says, lifted up and disappeared. Jesus disappeared in a cloud. Now, I want you to imagine that if you were there. Jesus was right in front of you. Go make disciples. Teach them my ways. Baptize them in the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Make sure they obey. Follow my ways, my teachings. Bye. 
and then he slowly floats. I mean, I mean, think about it. That's how it went down. He was floating, and it is going up. It is so, like, surreal. In awe, and in just, it's, it's unbelievable. And he is floating and floating, and you can't move, and you can just help yourself but to look. And your jaw drops, and is this happening before my eyes? And he goes up and up and up, and your eyes are fixed on him. And you can see him no longer. It's like a balloon that you can't let go, and then this red dot disappears far, far into the cloud. And for some reason, is it just me or just you watch that? Something about it. It's gone. And yet I just can't take my eyes off. That's what was happening to the disciples. Like they just can't in awe and wonder. It's like like spiritual high. Who can experience something of this nature? But right at that moment, two men, Luke says, dressed in white, spoke to the disciples. Men of Galilee. Hello? Men of Galilee. Why do you still standing and looking into heaven. Guys, hi, here, here. Are you still here looking into the heaven? Guys, he's gone. You can't see him. I can't see him. He's gone. What are you be doing instead of standing here looking into heaven? What should you be doing? I believe you have job to do. I believe the Lord who just went up to heaven to the rightful place as he always spoke about, he gave you a mission, did he not? Remember, this Jesus who just was ascended before your eyes will be coming back to you in the same way as you saw him leave. This ascension gave the disciples great hope. This hope, unwavering hope that Jesus is coming back. We got job to do. This is a unwavering motivation, like compelling motivation for them to serve the Lord. I got to do something about this. He's coming back and I am in charge of this mission. My dear Lord has given to me. He went up to heaven. This is like in awe, in wonder, the spiritual high. I got job to do. And he will be back. He will be back. Imagine if you and I both know when exactly Jesus is coming back to us. December 31st of 2023, Jesus is coming back to us. If you know that, for sure, that is true. Jesus is coming back December 31st, 2023. How would you live your life from now till then? Your hope of seeing him, your hope of pleasing him, your hope of hearing from him, my son, my daughter, my, my faithful servant, you have done well. Join in my celebration. 
You have this hope to hear that from him. As he comes back down, as he was ascended. That's the motivation. That, that was that compelling motivation the disciples had. That was the great hope that they had. Do we have that hope? The Father knows when that day is. He only, only He has that authority to fix that date. But it is fixed. But if that is true, He is coming back to you and I. If that is our hope to receive our Lord once again. And to hear from Him the very remark that we desire as His servants. How would we go about our daily lives? How we do we, should we approach our commissioned work? We're going to be obedient. We're going to be mindful to carry out the work that He commissioned us to do and finish the work that Jesus began. Now, folks, we must carry out we're commissioned. We are called in Jesus Christ. Yes, that comes with so much blessing that is just, we don't have time to list. But if that's who we are in Jesus Christ, what do we have to do? We need to carry out this work that Jesus began. And in order for us to carry out this work, then we have to be solid in our message. Unmistakable. We can't be confused about the message of the resurrection of our Jesus Christ. It cannot be missing in our story as we share who Jesus is and what he has done. And we cannot leave out the message of the kingdom of God. Now we there, we are ushered into the kingdom of God. We live for the king. And you not only speak that, but you live that for the world to see. That's why that solid message is important. And you do so with the power of the Holy Spirit, this sufficient power. Don't worry about what you will say when they put you in the middle of the, the court. I will give you words to say. The Spirit will give you words to say. Spirit will give you the power to live your life that is worthy of the gospel that saves you. You got to have the sharp focus. What was our job? What is our calling? Be his witness in your words, in your life. Testify Jesus. And have that hope. He's coming back. Either you go and see him. Or he comes back and claim you. If that is not a fairy tale, that is truth that we believe. You can't pick and choose what to believe and take something serious and something lightly. If you're going to take the cross and revelation of salvation seriously, then we also have to receive and take seriously the return of the Lord. And or we go and see Him for judgment. That hope gives us that motivation. That hope compels us to remind us and helps us to remember what the message is, what the power we have, the focus we need to have, that hope. That hope helps us to endure 
and push forward into the work that God has called us. Amen? So we're going to see many more chapters in Acts. And as we study this, we're studying this. As you study and expound upon the word, God will impress you. The spirit will impress you how you need to live your life. We went through the truth. It may be boring and dry, but there are nuggets of application that you could take it into your heart and your life and manifest it in your life. And that separates us. And that's how we carry out the work of Jesus in our life. Amen. Take a moment to pray. If any thought has occurred in your heart, if God grabbed your attention in any portion of essential tools that He has given to you, if you're lacking in certain areas, what would that be? I believe the Spirit already spoke to you about it. I encourage you to take a moment to pray. Simple prayer. What you realize, what you understood to be lacking or how you need to better at this task zealously, passionately. Ask Jesus to help you, the Spirit to help you stay on target. Stay, remain on the path. Let's offer that prayer and He will listen and He will help you. Now closing prayer. Father, we thank you for your prayer. It's time of prayer. Thank you for your message. Father, it is you who had graciousness and through your cross you have given the life that we do not believe. Yet, Father, you have done this for us. You have done this for us. This work needs to continue. This blessing we have received. Lord, we need to share this blessing. And as we do, Lord, help us to sharpen our Father, we thank you. We thank you for your love. We have to go back to the love that you have for us. Undeserved, rebellious, sinners like us were redeemed, rescued, and justified as your sons and daughters. And we find ourselves in the kingdom of God. We find ourselves already in the kingdom of God as we live our lives in eternal bliss and joy and rejoice in all circumstance and give thanks to you no matter what happens before you. We live our lives in worthy not only to earn salvation, but because that's who we are and we are eternally indebted to you. So this love we receive, this blessing we daily receive is not for us to hoard and just hold on to ourselves. But Lord, we need to carry out the very work that you began long ago. And you have given us everything we need to be successful in this endeavor. 
You have given us clear message of your resurrection of the kingdom, the nature of it. We need to speak and we need to live that out before the eyes of this world. We need to rely on the Spirit so that the Spirit guides us and leads us, gives us words to say, give us to that wisdom we need to navigate through our busy schedule and prioritize you and your time so that we will cut off all the other things that just bog down our schedule. How we can just thoughtlessly live our lives making wrong decision after wrong decision putting Jesus putting our Lord the word the living word the bread of life push aside back down in the order the spirit would you remind us remain sharply focused the kingdom business that we are here as your people, as your witness, and our lives has to be living testimony. Help us to work on our personal testimony, who Jesus is to us, and what Jesus has done in us. But as we share that, not only share it with our words, but help us to share it with our lives. May we focus on eternity. You're coming. And our going in all things as sojourner of this world. May we have hope, the true hope, eternal hope. And we want to be in that number. We want to be in your presence here. The only recognition that we will ever need. Any praise, any confidence we will ever seek after that will be from you Lord Jesus as we study this book the acts of the apostles of the early church as a church may the grace point be faithful to your word faithful to the duty the commissioned work that you have set us on that's what we desire follow Christ. May we lead others with words and deeds. As we leave this place, Lord, I pray that you will bless us tremendously, guide us ever so intimately. Speak to us each and every day as we value our time with your word in prayer. Father, grow us and mature us. Help us to bear the fruits of the Holy Spirit who is completely leading and fulfilling our hearts and minds in all things. We pray this in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you. Amen.